Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and co- audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. See, John, it's been a month since we did this, and I can't even get out the intro without a flub. Um, I don't want to tie flubs into what's going on right now, but there are definitely going to be several people listening to the show this week that are going to be looking at uh, what's been going on with free agency and the Celtics as a flub. And, and and I understand it, John, so I'm just going to dive right into it. You know, my son's been with uh, me for three weeks. He just headed to college uh, literally this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, crazy. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Crazy, man. Oh crazy. Gosh. But, but so, you know, we're uh, – we've been back and forth about this, you know, and it's – <laughs> he's like he's he follows the winds that blow on Twitter and so he gets really he gets really wound up and and I and I hear a lot of the common Twitter narratives coming from him sometimes when we have our conversations about the team and so you know it's like I just don't understand what they're doing but the truth is is like I understand the desire for cap space and the strategy and everything else. You know what the bummer is, dude? One, I really liked Fournier and I wanted him to stay. I, I, I also loved what he did in the Olympics, you know, when he beat us. <laughs> and I think, I think there's a little chip there and he wanted to stay. And so I, I, I had kind of, even though he was, wasn't with us very long and had to deal with the COVID and, you know, then with the Jalen Brown injury, they didn't go very far and everything else. I still, I had a little, this guy could be really good for the team and he's not going to be a ball hog, you know? And, um, so, you know, that's part of it, but the real part of it is, is I'm just having a really hard time getting excited for this season. 
you know, and <laughs> and that's and it's kind of like this emotional thing. They could end up coming out and killing it for all we know, right? It could teach Tatum and Brown how to play off of each other and and not be working separately in the offense and and alternating ISOs. Uh, you know, lots of things could happen. There's a new coach, um, but I'm just I'm having a hard time getting excited. Hey, we got Ennis Canner, Craig, and I like Ennis. I think Ennis is fun. You know, I think he's a good, you know, personality to have around the team. But I, I'm not convinced that Beal is a good fit for this team. And I get that Beal isn't the only free agent target next year. Um, and maybe Beal's a good fit because it keeps Tatum around a long time. And I think that is the conversation that you and I had on the last show that we recorded. But as far as like ball movement and you know, having enough for everybody to get theirs, even with Jalen Brown kind of moving into a more of a back seat for that and, and plugging in when the other guys needs rest or goes through injury, anything like that. And then, and focusing more on defense, like there's some attractive pieces to that, but we still don't really have a distributing point guard. That's going to help navigate all of that and get those guys into their spots. Al Horford's going to help with the ball movement. But sitting around on your hands and waiting, you know, to try to get a Beal, I'm just not sure that I'm not sure that Beal is the right the right piece if you're keeping Jalen Brown. And mm-hmm. and that's where my doubts really come into play with this. They might have their eyes on somebody else other than Beal. You know, just because we all think it's Beal doesn't mean it's Beal. But I, I, you know, I I I. Uh, I'm not sure that this is the right play. I'm willing to be patient and see if they get a big one next year. But we've watched them do it, dude. They've gotten the big names, and shit always happens. <laughs> so why are we wasting another year? And so just all I'm saying is it better not be a waste of a year. They better overperform like the Terry Rozier Celtics. Well, okay. You like how I put there. that, right? Terry Rozier Celtics. There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. I know. I, I well, okay. So there's a lot here to unpack, right? So I mean, I think that the last time the Celtics kind of had a bad year and things didn't go well and Danny went into that, what did he do? He said, "I'm going to max out Kemba Walker." <laughs> and we're going to get Ennis Cantor, and that's going to be our way of, of kind of stemming that tide, and we're going to stay competitive, and we can still be good. And it worked. They were they were they were in it. They were you know conference finalists. I think probably a healthy Gordon Hayward from being in the NBA Finals, and you know who knows because that Laker team was pretty beat up as well. And keep in mind, Kemba. Was not good in the postseason either. Then no, not good. No. no. So they did. They did that kind of in in the in the postseason without right. Kemba. Still competitive, but but without right without Kemba, effectively. I mean, not the same Kemba. So you know they're they're coming into this year in a similar situation. This is the third time they're or the second time I guess they've come off a bad season, and you know in that situation. They turned the tide, but then ultimately it really <laughs> it doubled down on the problem. And instead of a Terry Rozier, you know, they ended up with a, a high priced guard, you know, uh, expensive guard um, who was small and couldn't defend and ultimately 
you know, was a real probably was the single biggest reason Danny Ainge isn't here anymore. Um, so <laughs> there's so much to get into. I mean, we can talk about the, the drain of players who've walked out uh, that the Celtics have effectively chosen not to want not to bring back. We can talk about uh, a whole bunch of things in terms of how we got here. But in terms of moving forward, like you said, you know, whether Bradley Beal is the guy or not the guy, I mean, I think we would agree that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum alone aren't enough to get them to get them over the hump. It would seem it seems they need one more guy. Uh, or a collection of guys that are pretty close to that level to where they can say, okay, we're deep, but we have uh, you know, a collection of talent that, that can support those two. And, and right now they have neither one. Could these, these young guys really star this year? And we say, you know what, maybe we don't need Jaylen, you know, Bradley Beal, possibly, but, but more likely than not, their best path forward from this moment is create cap space, see what you can do to create somebody who can, um, you know, fill that void. Uh, Evan Fournier was never going to be the third guy on this team who could push them over the top. So I, I lament the fact Fournier left more as an indictment on the last three or four years of Celtics off seasons, watching stars walk away. That's really the issue to me and why we're in this situation that we're in. It's not, it's not for, it's not fatal. It's not the end of the world, but I think the frustration point for Celtics fans, or at least for me is the fact that we've seen this happen year after year after year. And there's different reasons and there's different, you know, a lot of them it's because the Celtics just, didn't want to pay that much money for a given player because tax concerns or what have you. But at the end of the day, we're sitting here three, four years later and we are effectively throwing, I would say throwing away a season in in the prime of your cornerstone players, but you're really not going all in uh, or even half in (laughs) uh, because you're really just hoping to kind of tank in a way <laughs> for Bradley Beal. And that's that feels really icky to me. I don't like that. And you can say it's not Bradley Beal. You can say it's, you know, Zach Levine. You can say it's we're going to max out to Triple J. You could say that, um, you know, maybe we think one of the, the Brooklyn guys is going to walk away. I don't think any of that's going to happen. Um you know, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, there's, yeah, the list goes on and on. Um, but realistically, it's Beal, right? I mean, <laughs> 80% of this, at least to me, says they, they have Bradley Beal circled, you know, and say, okay, this is the guy. This is the guy. And clearly that has to come with some side, some sort of inside knowledge. Don't you think? I mean, that, well, the inside knowledge is, is tampering unless it's Jason Tatum. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I get it. Yep. So, you know, and, and, and that's how the NBA works. So right. it's, it's not a big leap to think that that would be the case and that he would be planned for that. And they were bummed, you know, not to play together on the Olympic team, you know, pretty much everybody's connecting those dots. So let's go back to what I said. <laughs> I think, Ultimately, doesn't Jalen Brown got to get on the move? 
Why why do you think that? Why does he have to get on the move? I just don't understand offensively how those three work together. You know, especially with like a Marcus. I'm not saying Marcus is necessarily bad, but like those are three guys that really should be fairly volume shooters. Well, you're probably not going to Marcus here if you have Beal. I mean, oh, that's it's, true. It's, right. They can't sign him. No, no, no. You're right. They can't sign him. That's right. Because yeah. he wants the four-year, $80 million, 20 per contract yeah. extension that he's not going to get because they got to shed him to and get him. Right. So, yeah, you, even yeah. worse. <laughs> even worse. Well, but, okay. So, I mean, look at Brooklyn, right? I mean, that's – I guess that's kind of the – You know who becomes your point guard? Rob Williams. Rob Williams becomes your point guard with those three dudes in the offense. But what is a point guard today? Really? I mean, look I at don't the even care rate of point. No, no, no. So that's my point about Brown. It, Mark is smart. Let's just let's just pretend the money isn't the issue. Mark is smart is a fine distributing point guard if you have players on the team that move the ball, right? But as as it stands today, what we saw, you know, the last couple of seasons was the ball doesn't doesn't move. Now maybe that's something that, you know. Jason wasn't feeling well and had a rough start to the season, so they leaned on Brown, you know, and then Brown got hurt and they, you know, Tatum does his thing. But, dude, this team did not move the ball. And no. so you right. need somebody that gets that ball moving or these guys need to figure out how to move the ball in a whole new way. And I feel like when we go back to the, you know, injured Kyrie and and Hayward postseason that we really saw that right like Terry and Smart and there was just a lot of ball movement from those young players but I also feel like it's almost like we grew past that with what they're expecting from Jalen and Jason as marquee players in the offense and and really what now can Beal move the ball yeah I think Beal can be a good team player but we saw this with Kemba. You know, he's a volume shooter who drives to the basket. And when you start, like, they lose their rhythm, dude. If you need lots of shots to get into a rhythm, I just feel like Brown completely falls out of really getting a lot of touches. And, yeah, he can be a focus on, on defense, but do you want to pay a guy $28 million a year to, to kind of be a one-dimensional defensive 3-and-D kind of guy that has, you know, exceptional D and then – like he's almost like in the Ray Allen role all of a sudden if you sign Beal, except we don't have Rondo. Yeah, I mean, but I uh, is there any merit to what I'm saying there? Like I know I you don't know. I know I, you have a counterpoint, but but let's take that big three era. Just remember that Rondo is there. I'm not saying that but, Ray and Rondo. But I don't think. Long, but he yeah, was but, definitely moving the ball around. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think that's where the game is today. Like I don't I don't even think. The idea of a point guard setting up a team and, and setting up a set and all that, like that's, it doesn't happen anymore. Point guards are scorers. Wings are, are do everything players. I mean, look at a better, a better comp is to look at, say, you know, the Clippers, right? Um, you know, what is Kawhi and PG? What are their responsibilities vis-a-vis, say, uh, you know, a Patrick Beverly or, you know, I mean, yeah, having that point guard who can move the ball is important, but it's not it's 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 secondary third it's tertiary. It's you know what I mean? And like 
I think that there's a style of play issue with Jason and Jalen that has to be worked out this season, right? How they make each other better. I mean, let, let forget about who we add to the mix, right? We got 82 games for those two to figure out how to make each other better. And that hasn't happened yet. And now, look, I can excuse that a great deal by saying, look, you got to figure out who you are as a player before you can worry about anybody else. And I think that both of those guys have been trying to figure out who they are and make themselves who they can be. You can't pay attention to everybody else if, if you're only if your focus has been on yourself. And I don't mean that selfishly. I don't think they're being selfish. I don't think they're selfish players per se. I think it's just, look, you're kids. You're trying to learn how to be pros. They've done far more than most people their age. They've done a hell of a lot more than Trey Young and Luka Doncic combined, right? So let's not sit here and I'm not trying to throw, you know, kind of criticize them. If, if anything, I'm going the opposite way. I'm just saying I think that this is last year was the first time they had to run a team, right? It didn't go well for a lot of reasons. This year, that, their role is staying the same. And I'm not trying to excuse it. It's staying the same. But what's the biggest thing that came out of Ime Odoka's press conference? We got to find more ways to get assists. We got to move the ball, right? That's the defense, defensive the ball movement. But guess what? Just it's the obvious focus. It's where they dropped off and it's where they sucked. Like yeah. saying it and getting it to happen are two totally different things. Just because we hire a coach and the coach can notice the obvious glaring weaknesses doesn't mean he's going to fix it. Well, first thing you got to do to solve a problem is recognize it, right? Oh, I mean, come on, dude. Well, no. I mean, look, if, if they <laughs> thought it wasn't is, an issue, is pros, Brad they should be, be the coach. If, if it wasn't an issue, Brad Stevens would still be the coach here. I mean, obviously, that was the problem, right? He didn't think he could get through to them, apparently. I mean, I, I, we still don't know why. We still don't know exactly why, but... That's what I keep telling myself is that the reason why the, he's he's where he is and Danny is where he is um, in part is that he couldn't get through to them. So Ime Udoka has to get through to them, and that's what they're going to be. That's what they're going to be judged upon, you know, is whether or not they can share the ball. Can they make each other better? Can they raise the boats around them in their games? Not just have spectacular plays themselves, but be good in who they are and also improve those who they share the floor with. And they haven't done that. And I'm not saying that that's a cop out. I'm not saying, Oh, well you don't, you know, that doesn't matter. But like, if you don't have the ability to, um, if you don't, if it's not a focus for you, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to attack that. And if they don't change that, then what are, where are we as a, as a franchise? Is Bradley Beal? It's, you're not gonna. I don't even know if Bradley Beal is gonna want to come here to change that, you know? Because because seemingly they don't understand it. They don't understand the purpose. They don't understand what it takes to win. And is Bradley Beal, you know, going to even want to be here to be part of this if if they don't seem to understand what it takes to be a winning player um, or a winning leader of of a franchise? So I don't even look at it as like what is what does this do for Jalen Brown as much as I look at it as there's they get a they have a, they have 82 games to figure it out and and they have to 
you know, but, can, <laughs> but, but can they, but, but here's the question, Justin, can they, is there an outcome and how likely is it that those two do figure it out? Forget adding somebody, but how likely is it that, that they, in, in All right, your I'll answer that. Too? Yeah, I'll answer that in a second. But you ask, but here's the real question. Do you want to be a winner? <laughs> BetOnline.ag. <laughs> BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in on this action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, John, now I'll answer your question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the question, the answer to your question is, yeah, of course they have to figure it out. Yeah, they're supposed to be pros. Yes, dot, 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 dot. But. When you look at the makeup of this roster, you look at where they were in the seedings, you know, in the standings last year, and you look at, like, they're still, they're only going to sign people to a one-year deal. That's pretty obvious at this point. They're just going to pick off the free agent fodder once the cap space dries up and go out there and spend the vet minimum and whatever. And But whatever they have for exceptions, et cetera, it's it's all going out on one year deals and that's it. So our biggest acquisitions for this coming season are Josh Richardson, Chris Dunn, and Ennis Canner. Woo! Yeah. And so what I'm telling you is that yeah, they should be pros, but there better be a conversation happening with Jalen and Jason about what's supposed to happen next off season, because the truth is, is this team is set up for infighting. And if shit don't go right, it's going to make it worse. It's, it's going set up for infighting. Yes. Really? Yeah. If they don't perform well, if they don't oh, figure oh. out, if they don't yeah, do sure. right, like if they do the old Brad Stevens overperform, you know, and, and truthfully, it's kind of a nasty thing to say because really, if these two do figure it out and move the ball and a guy like maybe Neesmith continues to come in and play with that energy and, you know, Chris Dunn helps out a little bit and Peyton Pritchard yeah. takes a little bit of a leap, like every year we friggin' do this. Oh, if this, if that, if this, and this, blah, meh. And yeah. If this year is like a Isaiah Thomas kind of year and they overperform or, you know, play better, you know, than they did last year with effectively less ability. I mean, I will say they should just get better by not having Kemba in and out of the lineup. I mean, that's got to be tough for them to find a groove and for and they and they were so disjointed on whose roles were what. There was no consistency there and they'd start to get consistency and you'd see something really special happening with Rob out there and then Rob gets injured. 
But all those things are still on the table with injuries and disruption to lineups. With Al Horford, I do feel like things in terms of matching up against opponents and switching things up is they're better. They're better constructed from that standpoint, for sure. They, they don't have a so so many, you know, really misconfigured pieces, but they also don't have as much talent. And so it's possible that this goes well. Like, I'm not trying to be like super negative Nelly. If they got the fourth or third seed, I think that would consider that a very that would be a successful year for this team mm-hmm. um, as constituted. And so setting reasonable expectations, making some noise in the postseason, some things that, you know, has happened over the last few years, that would all be great. And it would be exciting. And I will turn around and, and follow that groove. But if these two don't figure out how to play off of each other and they don't yeah. figure out how to move the ball and things get a little ugly, no Alf, no Al Horford, in the locker room as a, as a, as a quiet leader and Ennis Canner as the fun guy is going to pull them through, you know, them landing in the seventh and eighth seed when they finally have the keys turned over to them. Like finally, right. That is, that is something that we all need to acknowledge, especially me. I've said we should have turned this team over to these two a while ago. You did. I did. So now I'm getting what I'm wanting and it sounds like I'm a complete baby, but yes. I wanted I wanted them to turn <laughs> it over to them and and have like an Evan Fournier here. I wanted it to I wanted it them to be the alphas with a decent supporting cast. And mm-hmm. the truth is is they're they're turning it over to them without what could have been a much better supporting cast. And as a result of that, I don't think they're really going to maximize this concept of turning the team over to them. And so I, I am concerned that they underperform, that they are in that seventh or eighth seed, do kind of what they should have done the first few years of their career and had them go through the pains of becoming the leaders of the team, you know, both on the court and in the locker room, et cetera. And, and that that winds up like, you know, con- like further messing with the chemistry. And so that's my concern. You know, it could be great for this team as as much as it could be bad. I just hate waiting for the savior because we already got the saviors, you know, three times. Oh, no free agent will sign in Boston, Al Horford. You know, well, that's a one-off. Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving trades over. I guess we didn't sign him, you know, but, but we had all these guys, these big names. They're coming to save the day, and it didn't. And so – just don't want to squander a season waiting for that player to be named later to come save the day. Yeah, no. And I think that that's, I think that's where most fans are right now. I think that they're, they're frustrated because we just went through this awful season. Right. And then, and then what happens, uh, you know, we go into the off season and, and we give away assets to get off of a bad contract um, you do get, you know, back a, a a backup big who can act who actually fits with the style of play that you want, as opposed to what you had with Tristan Thompson. But you know, you had to give away a lot, and you've done really very little else other than adding Josh Richardson. And who knows what's going to happen with the, you know, the the done deal because we don't know whether or not Trist, what what's going to happen. You know, are there other assets coming here? Who who really knows how that Atlanta um, Sacramento deal ends up but you know that's the frustrating point though is that you know you had a bad year and we didn't take our medicine after 
the Kyrie season after he and Horford left and we instead tried to quick fix it. So it's kind of like be careful because we wanted to fix. We, everyone wants to fix right now. Right. So that, you know, look, let's, let's move on with it. But, you know, probably we should learn that <laughs> taking a quick fix as we did two years ago, really just set ourselves further back. Um, and so I think when you look at a Kemba and that deal, you don't want to be in a situation. And I think that's what Fournier probably would have been is. And unfortunately it's Fournier and Kemba you lose to the Knicks, which is, just, Oh yeah, it sucks. That's ready. And, and, and that team was upstart last season. They were the fourth sure. seed, right? Is that right? Yep. The fourth seed. Yeah. And yeah. Julius Randall is another player. How many, there's a guy I said we should get. Right. Yep. And he has an awesome season. And John Collins you know, plays is another one. Need. John Collins, the other guy I wanted. And yep. I felt like there's I felt like there was a trade to be made there, honestly. Yep. yep. Um, and they didn't do it. And so and I feel like so the only thing that that does is reaffirm that the Celtics are worried that Tatum will leave if they don't get Beal. They don't want the Anthony Davis factor to happen. Mm-hmm. That's that's what this is all telling me, which is I you know gosh I hope that's not the case because I do love Tatum but I hate the fact that players dictate so much of what's going on it yeah. it just it really just pisses me off you know it's not that I want them to be taken advantage of or that organizations should you know be able to control their careers. But I also don't I don't like the reverse hijacking. It's just it's it's what happens all the time. It's like this balance of power just swings, you know, from one yeah. to another. And, and, and it's not and thus it's not an actual balance of power. <laughs> right. It's an overabundance of power on one side or the other. And instead of a healthy balance, that would make the league thrive. Well, look at the next. I mean, look at look at the, the Lakers right now. You know, I mean, the amount uh, did of you see the tweet. It looks like the Lakers are trying to win the two. It looks like the Lakers are trying to win the 2010 or 2011 championship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know they're getting all the players I, awesome ten years ago. But right, and 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 it, it probably I don't think it's going to work for them quite as well as they'd like to hope. But you know, they're the ability for teams to consolidate. Uh, is it just continues on and on and on. And, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating for, for teams like the Celtics, certainly, but it's, it's got to be frustrating for a lot of teams who are just sitting back and saying, you know, you got to be kidding me. I mean, the Knicks have added, you know, they've added players, although they had cap space. The Nets have added players. Um, you know, rich getting richer and all. I, I, you know, I think one thing I want to talk about though, that, that somewhat has gone under the radar is, is that, you know, that talent drain the Celtics have undergone over the last few years. You know, part of the reason, and I was among them who said, well, there is a bad deal. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not paying Al Horford. You know, I'm glad I'm not paying, uh, Terry Rozier. I'm glad I'm not paying, you know, Gordon Hayward. Um, I I think, you know, we have to kind of reexamine that a little bit because, you know, while I I certainly don't want the Celtics to end up in in cap jail, um, we're sitting here now, uh, 
you know, three, four years after, you know, kind of that, that drain has gone on. And I'm not saying those are all good deals, uh, but none of them looked as bad, looked as bad now as they did, you know, certainly then. And I think, you know, we've, we've been kind of listening to the Celtics brass say, well, you know, you, you got to be careful and you can't put yourself in a bad spot and all this. And <laughs> I, I just, I have a hard time wondering, you know, and thinking about, you know, how much of this is really just the Celtics don't want to pay players. They don't play, play, pay players what they're worth. You know, I mean, yeah. Do I want Gordon? That Hayward sounds like what Bernard does year. That sounds but, like the drum that Bernadoni is banging on, right? I mean, yeah, and I've I kind of feel that, that way side too. Of, I've yeah. kind of come over to that side because I have too. It's frustrating, and and I and I'm not saying that they should just pay everybody, and obviously you can't do that. But they let good players walk, and and over and over and over again. And if you're gonna have a hard line and a firm line on players, then 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 trade them. You know, if you aren't going to keep Gordon Hayward, trade him. Why wouldn't you trade Kyrie Irving? If things were as bad behind the scenes as we think, trade him. You know, same with Horford. Same with, I mean, or that inability this? to read your own players yeah. is, that to me is why Danny Ainge Got deserved to go. Let go. Yeah, so let me let me follow up on that too, though, like spinning into our new regime, you know, with Brad in that role. Yeah. If the whole point is to get cap space, why the hell are we trying to take advantage of the, you know, trade exceptions that we created from Canner and Hayward, what's left of them, only to let guys like Fournier walk anyway? Like, the, there's no – if you don't use it to get something of value, why are you using it, <laughs> right? I don't – I don't even Fournier, like, I, I remember saying when we made the deal, this is great as long as we resign him, mm-hmm. and now we didn't resign him. And right. then – they're trying to work everybody into these trade exceptions, you know, and I'm like, why? And the only thing I can think of is, is Chris Dunn an expiring contract? I need to look yeah. that up. All right. Yes, so he he's an expiring contract. Maybe they're just trying to get as many people on a one year deal as they can. And oh, so yeah. they're using the trade exceptions to get these. They're willing to spend the money this year within the rules. Right. But they want but they only want to get people for one year because they're trying to do the cap space. So it's just weird that we're using these trade exceptions. But, you know, I guess. I guess I guess the reason they went with Fournier over anybody else was because he was expiring. This was all part of the plan. They realized they couldn't make the big splash with the Hayward trade exception. And so they knew it was gone. So why not get a one year rental that might just help them? And. They could kick the tires. You know, maybe right. they, they maybe they knew they were doing this all along, but it, that's where it ties back to what you just said. You know, was Miles Turner really an opportunity? If he was, come on, guys, right? Why didn't why didn't we why didn't we trade Hayward even before it got to the point where we almost lost him? I mean, that's it sounded like right. they might resign him. Like the mismanagement of that piece. And and you're laying it all on Danny, and I can see why because no, most I'm of not. that foundation was beforehand, and now Brad's just yeah. kind of dealing with the leftovers a little bit. Yes. Uh, so yeah. I, but I see I'm, that. But I'm I'm putting it on Danny, but I'm probably even more putting it on Wick. I I think that that's. Do you that's think Danny something. wanted to leave because he didn't necessarily agree with it? 
I, I don't I don't know if that's where it is or not, but all I'm saying is other than from eight, 2008 to 2012, I think for the, you know, the kind of the KG Paul era, uh, you know, they, they paid tax, you know, but apart from that, they have very few and far between been in the tax, a tax paying team. And, you know, due to the changes and the recent CBA and the punitive nature of the, the repeater tax, I understand why you can't just live in the tax year after year after year. But, are you not? Have you not been competitive? Have you not been a perennial Eastern Conference finalist? I mean, yes, it's great to be able to be a conference finalist in spite of uh, a, a salary number that's outside the tax. But if you want to stay competitive or push over that number and to to become a, a champion, you got to go deeper. <laughs> I mean. Milwaukee was already in the tax, and they said, "Look, we're gonna get we're gonna get Drew Holiday, we're gonna get PJ Tucker, we're gonna get um, you know uh, Bryn Forbes, you know Bobby Portis. Um, you know the Celtics have had to play games the last few years to try to stay out of the tax. And, and you know, I, look, I understand you minimize that the best you can, but over and over, the Celtics took chances, took opportunities. They when they had draft picks to use to trade, they didn't. And then now they don't have any draft picks to lose to add players, you know, expiring players or whatever. Um, and and then they don't have those picks anymore. And now the issue is salary. And it's like, so which is it? Is it you don't have the assets? Is it because you don't want to spend the salary? And I, I used to think it was just a, an asset mismanagement situation. I'm beginning to wonder if it's really more about money. And I just think that there's some hard questions that, that Wick Grossbeck and the ownership have to answer because I'm not going to be satisfied with the, well, when we're in that situation, we'll spend the tax. That's not enough for me now. That's a pat answer that's worked for 12 years or 10 years since KG left. It's not enough for me now. Uh, they, they need to be, they need to be more aggressive with their wallet. You know, their, the, the value of that, of that franchise has increased 10 times over the 20 years they've owned the franchise or less than 20 years. I don't want to hear anything about, well, we don't want to go into the tax. I'm just, I'm over that. You know, I, I don't want repeater tax so that, you know, I don't want yeah, some so, hard caps, but they got to do better with the money they have. That's so it. let me ask you, if they spend the money and they land a big free agent next summer, do you all of a sudden not feel that way anymore? No, I still feel that way because it's it's they've lost opportunities. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that's where we are today is because, well, we didn't want to overpay Gordon Hayward. We didn't want to overpay, you know, Terry Rozier. We didn't want to overpay, uh, you know, Al Horford. Those three guys, if they were here over the last few years, how do you think this team would have, you know, would have played? Do you think they would have been better than the team we saw? I think undoubtedly that's the case. And you could have had all of them, you know? Maybe you wouldn't have been able to, you know, maybe, you know, you would have just trade Terry by the time, you know, Hayward's deal came up or, you know, I don't, I don't know how you would have, but yeah, we, had, we were over three <laughs> on all those guys. And I just, that's the mismanagement that bothers me. And that's what, and then now it's Brad's team and I'm willing to, and that's kind of the thing that Abby, uh, I want to say clap back at, at 
Ryan for for saying on Twitter today about, you know, well, it's a new person. No doubt. Ninety nine percent of the front office is the same. But the issue is, is that I don't know that there's a change in philosophy and nobody has indicated anything differently in terms of philosophy. You know, (laughs) we're still attaching bad assets and bad contracts with with high value trade, you know, draft picks to send out to clear our, our, our cap sheet. Once again, third year in a row, we've done this, you know, and now we just signed one of the guys that we sent away for Desmond Bain. I, I just, it just seems like we're going in a cycle and we're not ever getting out of it. Maybe this is the end. And if this is the end, then I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of Brad Stevens putting his foot down and saying, okay, from here on, we're going to be a hell of a lot better. Because it does take something to probably dig yourself out of that hole. But right now, if this is bottom, it doesn't feel great, but I'd feel better knowing that there is no further. Because we're three years of falling at this point. Right? I mean, we're falling and we can't get up. We're falling. We're that old lady in the bar in the basement of the the floor of her bathroom with our little medical or bracelet or whatever. Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. That's us. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, it sucks, right, uh, dude? It's really. It, all I can say is, if we set the if we set the bar low, there's a chance we'll actually end up being happy during the season. <laughs> well, and and look, right? We're, we're, we're right. I mean, there's. Could it, I mean, think about this, right? I mean, how the season ended, apart from, you know, kind of a spirited kind of last series there with, with Brooklyn, although I'm still not happy with the whole Kyrie Irving stepping on the logo thing. Um, no, that's what I think. And, and, and that was something – we haven't talked about this, but that was something that kind of came up in some of the postseason kind of, you know, conversations of – you know, that was something that didn't go over well with people in the organization. I'm guessing that was a Wick Grosbeck thing. And I'll give credit to Wick. If that was something that bothered him and that's why he wanted to pursue change in the front office or the coaching staff, I appreciate that. Because while I understand people think, well, it's just a symbol. Who cares? It represents the team. If you're not playing for the team, what the hell's the point? Shut the whole damn thing down. We'll all play one-on-one all day long. I mean, the team is what binds you. That's the game. That's what we are all doing this for, you know. And so I was appreciative of of whoever was frustrated about that. If that helps spur change, great. But that's what I want to see. Like, what? What's going to change, right? Are they going to, you know, are they going to fight for each other? Are they going to play for each other? Are they going to share the ball? Um, you know, I think that's why I think this this U.S. Team USA experience is great for Tatum, you know, because it's okay. I'm part of a a thing. This isn't about me. This isn't about me getting mine. This is about one goal: gold medal. You know, and I and it's all we've seen over and over. Players have come away um, positively from that. And I I'm hopeful that that will help him as well. Yeah, um, 
It's interesting. It feels like he and, and Durant are kind of buddying up a little bit too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think and, so. And, 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 or that, that pseudo passing of the torch, right? Like, you know, he's, he's Durant's throwing a lot of love Tatum's way. So, um, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting to me that way. Um, and you know, Tatum can't be, you know, the guy, right, on Team USA. And so, especially with Durant ahead of him at the same position, essentially, right, with a similar function in the offense um, and defense, for that matter. But um, so, you know, yeah, I kind of hope that. But I guess my other question for you is, is you've kind of decided that Tatum is a little selfish when you say that, right? Like, and part of me is like, I don't know that Tatum is necessarily selfish. I just mm-hmm. think, like, there are times, dude, I hate when he just dribbles it up and kind of gets in there and does the sidestep sort right. of fade. Right. You know, that, that bothered me. But I felt like that happened a lot more when his lungs weren't there and they were really looking to him to carry mm-hmm. the team, right? And so... I'm not so sure that he's mentally selfish as much as he was trying to figure out that role and what yeah. needs to happen. And so then there's here's the yin to the other yang that you were talking about. Brad felt like he couldn't get it across to them to move the ball around. So is that really what happened or not? And what I mean is, or did or or was Brad asking Tatum to do it? I just don't understand All like right. this whole I lost the team thing. Yeah. Well, was it more on purpose? to like maybe Danny lost the team, you know, in these other ways that you described. I love Danny. So I even hate saying this, Me too. but Me maybe too. Danny, maybe Danny lost the team at an executive level and the team was handcuffed with Brad and his salary and, and whatnot. And so they kind of saw an opportunity because for them to replace Danny, it was going to cost them a lot of money. Right. So for them to elevate Brad, they can then get a coach who's an upstart and probably mm-hmm. save a little bit of money. Oh, but, sure. if they, but if they keep Brad on Brad's contract and replace Danny, now they're yep. really paying, which ties in what you just said about the whole finances and them not wanting to spend. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, maybe Brad, maybe Brad knew that Tatum needed to develop the skill set and maybe he was instructed to do it. Maybe it's not so simple as, he lost the team and they couldn't get everybody to do the ball movement. Um, if that's the case, there's some sign, there's some potential for being encouraged this season. I think it's probably just, I honestly, I, I feel like it's just a total lack of direction and, and chemistry on the team last season in general. And it probably led to a little bit of all of that. They probably wanted Tatum to do it. They just didn't want Tatum to do it the way he was doing it. And they didn't want Tatum to do it so much that it impacted, you know, the way that the ball movement went. And then maybe the experiment went awry and they couldn't then fix it. And then they got into positions and games where they felt like, well, I guess Tatum's got to take the game over again. And so they relent. But they can't get everybody together on the same page, and they can't get out of it. And definitely lacking practice time with Kemba in and out of the lineup, and a and a and a double big lineup with this squad <laughs> did not help with the ball movement issues. I mean, they might have just dug a cultural and chemistry type hole that just they could not get out of. I, yeah, I mean, I think I think the 
Yes. I, I, I mean, I think it's a, a an all of the above, probably. You know, I, I think that that's true. Um, and, and the totality of them were just too much. I mean, we've always heard everyone's good people. Every, you know, there's no ill will between Brad and any of these players. And, you know, I, I don't. I don't think that there's anything personal or personal is the right word, but I don't think there's anything that makes me say, Oh, okay. This is, this was done poorly or <laughs> with malice. I don't think there's malice involved in this. I think it's, it's more about a whole bunch of good people. Mismanagement on, on levels that just combine to a disaster. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, 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 error on top of error on top of error. You know, it's, it's young guys who don't yet know how to lead and how to win. Um, it's, um, a front office that prioritize draft picks over veteran players who would leave soon, but then that left a bench devoid of veteran players for a coach who wants to play veteran players who doesn't want to, you know, try it out with rookies and, and, and rookies contract players. Um, it's a front office and potentially an ownership that didn't want to spend money on players and go deep into the tax. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's, it's all that. And then in the micro level, it's COVID um it's you know a skill set in Tatum which is Kobe-esque yes but you know lacking really understanding of how to get to the basket and how to efficiently score you know really trying to figure that aspect of the game out um really for the first time at the NBA level being somebody who had to be a playmaker at any in any capacity remember he was basically a, a you know a spot up shooter for the first year he was here, first year or two, frankly, um, you know, Jalen had never had any sort of passing responsibilities whatsoever, you know. So, I mean, take all that, throw in a throw in a pot, and you can see why it would go bad, you know. Um, but on the other hand, as you go into next year to kind of go back to your first kind of thought is, does Bradley Beal fix it? No, Bradley Beal doesn't fix it. But, you know, we to go back to the argument that I heard over and over, is it Tatum and Brown or is it everywhere and around Tatum and Brown? <laughs> you know, are they not good enough around those two? And that's why the team's not good because those two can't do, can't do it on their own. And I think the truth is it's a little column A, column B, right? You need, you need leadership from your stars, but those stars have to show support and have to show leadership for the other guys. You, you know, you they can't average 50 a game each, and even then you'd lose. <laughs> you know, if they're taking 50 shots each. So you have to – there has to be some of both. And I, I think that hopefully that experience last year taught them a lot. I saw a lot more out of Tatum in that, that playoff series and down the stretch than I thought he was capable of. But there's still things to learn. And, and again, we I remember talking about this on the show. Let's remember, Paul Pierce was in his eighth season, seventh season, when he put the ace bandage around his head at a post-game press conference, and he was like 26, 27 years old. You know, so I mean, he's now the captain, the truth, and and beloved, and all you know, Finals MVP. 
these guys are 23-24, right? So we've asked – they've accomplished so much, but we're asking a lot of them too. And the problem is let's not burn them out before they're um, – you know, before uh, let's not turn on them before they've shown that they can't do it. Uh, and I and I think that they can do it. I think they can figure it out. And I think Bradley Beal being here, I think he's a better distributor than he's probably showing in 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 Washington and would be if he's playing next to Tatum and Brown. But it doesn't solve the problem on and of itself. And and Tatum and Brown have to solve so much of that, and they have to show it from the jump this year. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they have to get yeah, from the jump. That was I. I started to have a response, and then I heard the yeah. last thing in the back of my mind. I heard the last thing you said, and I was like, "From the jump." I don't know, man. Um, Maybe not from the jump. They got to figure it out through the year, and by the time I get to the end, I think that's based that's on the way, way that it. they constructed this roster and everything else like they need to end the season with the kind of confidence going into off-season workouts yeah. etc and riding that high that we just signed so and so and there's nobody else on the team that's going to be pissed that we yep. signed him oh guess what <laughs> that's not happening cuz Marcus is going to be gone you know you look at what happened with Jay when when the Hayward signing, right? Like he really took that kind of personally through that whole end of that season. And uh you know, just look at how that all played out. So, you know, there's the danger there. We're gonna let Smart go. What if what if last thing and then I gotta wrap. I need a nap overnight. Like go to bed. Right. So <laughs> if if Marcus Smart if Marcus Smart has a phenomenal season, how are you gonna feel when they let him go? So that they can go chase a Bradley Beal. Like, what if, what if Smart has that, you know, prove himself type of year? Yeah. And earns the deal, and then they right. turn they, their back on him, and he, he, he goes off and does great, and then the, the team spends all this money, and it's wash, rinse, repeat. I'm gonna oh, be, I'm gonna be so flipping pissed. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a major gamble. Now, the likelihood of that, eh, right? right. But you can't Isaiah Thomas or Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, you know, or maybe that maybe he's a perfect combination, right? He comes out and has this great season and he's got that that Jay Crowder dirt doggy, you know, get it done kind of thing. But he's an inspirational leader, you know, for everybody and the fan base the way IT was. He's kind of a combination of those two. Mm -hmm. If you if you do him dirty. It's going to be really friggin' ugly, and it looks like he's on his way out in the end. So he could go the other way. It's a contract year, so he could have an amazing year, but it's a, this is going to be a mess, dude. Do you remember how he played in his last contract year? Yeah, he played great, right? No. No. No, he, <laughs> he played punched horrible. Pic- he punched yeah. the picture frame, and yeah. you, were, you were ready to like <laughs> ship him out the door. I was so ship mad out. at him. But yeah, then dude. he but yeah, he recovered. Ugly. He yeah. rebounded from that, and he actually had a, a you know had a good season following that. Um, so you know, look, I I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh my god, him. this is so set up to be a mess. But okay, well, but look at it this way, right? So they've had a bad year, though. Like the difference in that case is the Celtics weren't bad the year before. 
I I think that there is that thing where you walk away from the bubble and the the COVID protocols they had to follow last year and and all that. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen this year, certainly. But but it's certainly going to be a heck of a lot more normal than what we saw the last two. And I think that if I were a player who went through the last two years, I would have a sense of motivation in me, a sense of, like, relief. And probably for if I'm Marcus, I'm looking at it and saying, look, okay, I've got to, you know, I've got to find a way to turn this around. For, to be the type of guy that I think he is, he's got to figure out a way to lead this team and set guys up and not look for counting stats and not look to get his his shots up, but to lead. And if he does that, I think that will benefit him. But you are but there are like two distinctly different things, and if he, you know, goes out and averages 17 and 8, um That'll look good for opposing teams wanting to sign him. If he doesn't on 30% shooting, um, less so. But if that happens, the Celtics will try to trade him anyway. You know what I mean? They're, this is, the Celtics are not going to go to the end of the season, I don't believe, if Marcus isn't a, a, a good so, citizen. You know? And if no. that happens, yeah. it'll be easier for Brad to do it. As hard as that is to... And there's no point in trading him during the season because they don't want to take on salary. So the only thing they would do is trade him for another. No, you could trade him. You could trade for an expiring contract. Yeah, Yeah. you could. You'd just be flipping him for another expiring contract. That's all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there, I mean, there are plenty that will. You know, there's plenty. They'll be playing room next summer, so there's plenty of expiring money that you know should be out there. Um. You know, and you'll be able to get a little bit more for him. You may be able to get another pick. You may be able to get a young player. You may, you know, I don't know. But um, I, I think I would prefer Marcus has a good year and he, <laughs> you know, he set, he does, he becomes Dennis Johnson 1984. That's what I want out of Marcus Smart this year. I want him to be Dennis Johnson 1984. Uh, a, a, a an all star caliber or, or slightly below all star caliber player who defends the hell out of the basketball, sets his teammates up, um, you know, and, and really is a, is a leader on the defensive end. If he can be Mark, Dennis Johnson, nineteen eighty four, that's that's all I could ask from him, you know. But look how many shots DJ put up in eighty four, and it wasn't it wasn't you know seventeen shots a game. <laughs> you know, the shots were still going to Larry and Kevin and Cedric and Robert, you know, and that's and that's the way it should have been. Um, and what been to um, that's that's what I want out of him. I want Marcus Smart to be the best Marcus Smart that Marcus Smart can be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just be yourself, buddy. Don't listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can uh, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. John is at CSL underscore Duke. I am CSL underscore Justin. Heartfelt sure thank you to everybody. Yeah. I haven't been on there. I'm on there, but I'm like a creeper now. I only like never say anything unless I'm getting pissed and during a game. Um, heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And uh, 
On behalf of our CLNS founder, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. Rusty. <laughs> <laughs>